Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Tara? Mike? Welcome. <laughs> Welcome back to this conversation. You guys, I'm going to have part two to the, the conversation Tara and I were having before. Again, same situation. I don't have talking points. We don't have a particular goal with this conversation other than just continuing to further dialogue about yeah. the fact that I came out as a gay affirming believer. And Tara's like, what? The last conversation we had was a few weeks ago now. So Tara's obviously had some time to process and think through and what all the things on her. And so I don't know what progress she's made or what things have come up or whatever. So we're just going to talk and I'm already hit record on this just so we could, you know, we just want to capture the conversation. So welcome. Jo thanks for joining us. Tara and I are just going to chat. So Tara, there are a bunch of people watching our conversation. We're going to ignore them right now. And we're just going to talk to each other. Everything's right. fine. There's no pressure. Where you were emotionally the first time we chatted to where you are now, what changed? Why did you feel a little more subtle or less like swirly? Um, was there anything uh, that happened that helped that happen? Or was it just the time thing or what? I have been diligent for myself to like watch things set up meetings with people that I know here locally, um, and my friends that are in the queer community, asking you lots of questions in the late hours of the night that <laughs> you respond to. Also, as you've shared the good and the bad in you coming out, it's allowed me to kind of sit back and observe what the queer community as a whole experiences as at least on a small piece. Like it gives me a behind the scene look that I feel like I didn't think was there maybe, or I knew was there, but because I, I don't get in arguments with people over those sort of things that I'm like, I just, I didn't think you would have the extreme like backlash and argumentative nature from the church as a whole that I'm like, oh God, <laughs> like that's been interesting to watch. I know that um, you've been watching some of the content I've been putting out and I'm okay. mostly just trying to resource my audience yeah. with different aspects of this conversation whilst also, you know, coming around the LGBTQ plus community and like pulling them in and being like, Hey, I'm part of you. We're together here. I'm so sorry for how this has gone and what I've been. Complicit sure. with. I'm absolutely undoing all of that now. That's a, obviously a huge theme to all this in light of everything that we did talk about, didn't talk about, didn't get to whatever. Um, Tara, I'm going to kind of let you pace us in terms of what you want to talk about, what you want right. to share all the things, unless it's helpful for me to ask you specific questions. I think you and I were messaging at one point. I know not, it's not just you, but people have thought, when I stood up and said, hey, I'm gay and I believe that God loves and accepts and fully embraces and affirms the queer community. Some people, when you say the word gay, they automatically assume a bunch of things, right? But they have this thing that they call the gay lifestyle, which I've seen yeah. come up a few times, right? Yeah. Um, and then they think when I said that I'm gay and God loves me this way and wants me to be like this, they thought I was saying, what did that entail to you? How I interpret that is like, you're out partying it, getting really wasted every night, sleeping with whoever, wherever, anytime, like that all morale or morality. Self, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. or self-worth, like went out the window is mm -hmm. how I think a lot of people interpret that. Yeah. Cause I even ask you like day one, like, what about this? And that was something that I talked to one of my other friends about. Well, when I said everything that I've said, I wasn't condoning a bunch of other decisions people make and not just queer people, people in general make those. So yeah. I want to separate a couple things. One is I don't think, I'm not saying this to you, Tara, in particular, I'm saying this to the attitude or the prejudice that's out there about the queer community. I don't know that it's fair to assume or conflate someone being gay with drug abuse and substance abuse and, you know, getting wasted and being sexually promiscuous ever. I'm not saying gay people don't do that because they do, but so do straight people. And that's yeah. not a gay thing. Right. So mm -hmm. first of all, that's not appropriate to just assume that, in that. Right. And then secondly, I wasn't endorsing all those other things in addition to my sexual orientation and the journey I've been on. Right. So I just wanted to clarify that for people. So I appreciate you right. like bringing you bringing that up at one point and just wanting to address like, hey, that feels unfair to just assume that. And it's not you know, like a lot of people have said that to me and I'm like, what? and then people come at me with attitudes that I think would make more sense why they're so volatile, if that's yeah. what they had in mind. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know that it's my fault that you thought 
what I was saying was those things when I never said any of those things. And if you looked at my lifestyle and how I live, you'd probably be a little bored, maybe a little sad for me. Like I've had a, an interesting time trying to figure out what it looks like to date in the, the gay dating world, you know, in light of everything that where I'm coming from and all that. People get to choose to like slow their roll. Something in watching some of the content that we were talking about yesterday with on YouTube, the round table with your team. For me, there were so many things voiced that I was like, yes, that, yes, that, yes, that. I feel like that probably something from almost every person that it made me be like, okay, I'm not crazy because of the relationship that we have that I know that I'm going to look at all of the things. And several people said that, like, this is Mike. A lot of those things echoed. I felt like just gave me some permission to, like, ask the questions, to really, like, take the step back. Also, the video with Stan, like, Stan was like, I'm really patient and gracious with people that are just starting to deconstruct some things and look at things because it took me eight to 10 years. And I think that I was super protective. Like even in our first video, I felt super, I thought I was fine until you hit the record button. And like, I like felt the shift. I was like, shit, uh, not intentionally, not wanting to, like, you know, that I want to show up and be honest. When he said that I was like, I just need to know and had to give myself permission. Like, I don't care if you expect me to have it figured out in a week. I just have to go on my own journey. And I feel like you respect that and know that I'm authentically in doing that honestly, and not just saying, oh yeah, I'll look at that. You know? Yeah, I think we talked about that in the last conversation. Like, hey, I get people have a process. They need time. They yeah. need opportunity, all the things. There's a difference between I got to go on this journey and work this out to I don't know that I want to care about this. I need space to be able to figure out if I'm going to care or not. And I'm just not going to look into this. And years down the road, I may still not care. To me, that was like, oh, those are two different things. Someone who's taking this seriously and like doing the due diligence to get to the bottom of what they believe and how they want to engage here. Totally respect that process, mm -hmm. permission, space, all the things. The other person who's ignoring it, choosing to be ignorant here, choosing to accept the majority opinion and not actually engage themselves or apply critical thinking or compassion. I'm like, yeah, I have zero tolerance or patience for that. Or they're just like, I'm not going to do the research. I disagree. You're wrong. The Bible says this, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I don't have patience or tolerance for that attitude. And it's not about their attitude toward gay people. It's the refusal to be held accountable for the things you're allowing to have influence in your life. And that's going to come out of your mouth and affect people when you're not going to be responsible with that. I'm like that, regardless of the issue, I'm like that, I can't respect. I can't enable that kind of behavior yeah. or attitude in any area. And that was coming up, that comes up a lot here. It's like incredibly prejudiced how easily people are dismissive here and just copy and paste things and not actually get into it. Go ahead. Here being what? In the LGBTQ plus content conversation oh, oh, okay. specifically of me coming out and people having opinions and going out of the way to voice them like <laughs> uh okay different yeah. spaces right so the people who are sincerely over here I'm like man do your thing how can I help yes I'll answer questions I don't owe this to you but I want to get in there and help right I'm very aware of that mm -hmm. but I do want to help I understand what that's like and I think I've got a lot of great stuff to share and tools to help you know Add to the conversation so i'm happy to help there for people who genuinely are engaging like yeah. this space right like tara you've yeah. gone out of your way to prioritize and engage and ask questions and share things and process and watch and consume content like i'm like man i have so much space and grace and patience for people in your space who want to do this due diligence there are other people who are not engaging on that level mm -hmm. yet still happy to assert really aggressive arrogant ignorant opinions without the substantiation to back it up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really yeah. hard to be fine with. But I find myself like in days that I feel or maybe things you posted that I'm like, oh, he's had a shit day. That's hard. That's hard. Mm. That's hard as your friend. That's hard as someone that cares about you. Um, and so it's been in that place for me that I'm like, a lot of your team echoed that of like, just the humanity of it, of like, you're my friend above, like, I'm here to be right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, and so, I don't know, I felt like that's allowed me to, I feel like trust myself and trust God in me and God in you. Like, I know that you love the Lord. I know that you hear him. Um, I know that I love the Lord and I know that I hear him. Um, many things that I heard echoed was the fact there was like, I was just told this. And I think I told you that this week, like someone once said that, you know, when I got saved, not I, but then just them in general, you get saved and you ask for Jesus and you get handed religion, this structure to fall within. There's a lot of that that I, that I took, but there was a lot of that, that I was just like, whatever. I mean, 
I was wearing some real short skirts before I had children to church. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> All the things. And then, you know, one day, like, I feel like the Lord was like, hey, why are you doing that? And there was, you know, and, and I think that for us, what happens is people kind of come into that culture and it's like, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And it looks like this, this, and this. And, um, if you don't do that, then you don't get to be here. What's the Netflix show I told you I watched about the conversion therapy stuff. Pray away. Yeah. That was the first thing I watched. That was the first thing I watched before any of your content. There was one woman that she was like, I think she was living her life as a lesbian and then something happened. And then she was in the church and she's like, and when I came into the church, there was a set of rules and I was actually relieved by the rules because it showed me what to do and what not to do. And I was like, Oh, so like that's actually confinement versus freedom or knowing how to manage yourself. And so that was really interesting for me to see that, to see like, huh, it's interesting that she felt safe within like, you will do this and you won't do this. Has there been anything in terms of your thought process that's changed since we first talked? It was the shock for me. It was the fact that I felt lied to. I didn't know if I could trust anything that you had ever said. (laughs) No lie. Can you, can you unpack that for me just for the sake of my own understanding Okay. and anyone listening, like, I'm curious. I think I want to voice some other people who probably be watching this conversation be like, even if we don't agree on Mike being gay, why would that invalidate everything he said up to this point? What's the thought process going on there where it brings up that kind of a response? I think that for a lot of people, I, I kind of fall probably somewhere in the middle of this. I think for a lot of people that are highly discerning, that love the prophetic, that love a lot of the things that you talk about and teach on to them, it's like, oh, Mike's being influenced by a spirit. The thing he teaches on is the thing that seems to be now destroying his life because he's gay. Because mm. <laughs> he's listening, no lie, no lie. I think that people are like, oh, he's influenced, he's being influenced by a spirit. This is, and so it felt more offensive because I'm like, this is what you teach on. Like, what? I mean, So I'm curious, why retroactively would it undo things that I've taught in the past? If I am being influenced by some evil spirit now that's ruining my life and deceiving me and making me believe and say all these crazy things that aren't true, why does that mean everything I've ever taught is also not true? I feel like that's a big big deal. I would feel like that, though, with multiple other things I felt like that came up. And again, that then leads into this whole conversation of like being homosexual, being homosexual, being a sin versus not. Um, whereas how the church sees it and how like it's like this whole separate thing for people that are affirming like it doesn't fall in that same category because I'm like well if I can't trust you now like what the hell have you been doing the last 10 years that I've known you I think it was for me it was the fact that you're like this has been a wrestle within me for so long and I'm like oh my god what if what if he's been listening to this thing like a like a demon yeah okay when i was overseas and every female in our room has this dream about being in a homosexual relationship i'm like even then in my baptist church i was like that shit's a spirit <laughs> like <laughs> just now no i'm like i don't even know what to do with that now one thing i want to say is i don't think that being gay is the result of an evil spirit i don't believe that can the spirit world influence your sexuality yeah, I believe that. Can the spirit world, in whatever kind of distortion, influence how you're perceiving something in the sex conversation in lots of different ways? Yes. Does that always mean that the gay thing is within a certain spiritual track? I don't know if that's as clean cut and like locked in as we would think. So there's that. And then um, I think there are people who are born gay. And then there are people who have things happen to them and then it influences their sexuality. I think these are two different kinds of people, right? And then spiritual influences and what have you in either case are probably gonna be experienced differently. I don't think it's as simple as, oh, if it's spiritually influenced and I don't like the feeling, then that means being gay is evil or wrong or bad. I don't, I think that's, I would, I don't mean this to be condescending. I think that's juvenile in discernment. Like that's too- For sure. It's oversimplifying, right? And ignoring a lot of other significant things. and. That was like, you know, 17 years ago. Right, right, right. Let's just be clear. Okay, let me just say this. Kinsey Scale. Have you heard of this before? Okay, so I forget his first name, but his last name was Kinsey, this scientist, like a couple hundred years ago, or a hundred years ago, whatever. 
did this study on sexuality, human sexuality, right? And he wasn't trying to focus on homosexuality, but it definitely came up and became a, um, something he did study and look into and all that. Anyway, he created a scale called the Kinsey scale. Zero means you're 100% exclusively heterosexual. Six means you're 100% exclusively homosexual, right? And then there's a one, two, three, four, five between the zero and the six. Interesting. And then in his studies, he found that 5% of the population, was this zero over here? Yes. Okay, thank you. 5% of the population identified as, as they scored a zero on the scale. They were 100% exclusively heterosexual. And 5% of the population scored as a six. They were 100% exclusively homosexual. 90% of the people he, and he did thousands of interviews with people. They fell somewhere between the one to five. So they were- Interesting. They were mostly heterosexual with a little bit of a leaning toward homosexual. They're mostly homosexual with a little bit of leaning toward heterosexuality. Some people in the middle, we would call bisexual. We would call anybody in the middle of this bisexual, right? Um, obviously there's, there are leanings. Um, some people just smack down the middle. And I don't know that's neat and clean for anybody on where they fall here. I fall at the sixth scale. I've one, I am 100% exclusively only attracted to men. And I've met some people who are the other opposite. I've met, you know, actually, since I came out, I've had lots of people come to me and talk to me about being in between. Home. Yeah, somewhere in between. Yeah, I'm like, fascinating. And, and so the people who are in that space, if they identify as like being bisexual or um, pansexual or whatever, they might say, well, Tara, we love that you love your husband. Not questioning that at all. Don't think you shouldn't be with him or that you should get a divorce. But it doesn't mean that you aren't attracted to women is what they would say, right? And, and I know people from, from your end of the world might be like, I cannot be attracted to him. And I know like people coming into this conversation, having been in a relationship, a commitment for so long already, this is such an interesting space to start dialoguing with, right? And we're in such an interesting time in history with us as a culture, just understanding these things and the decisions that we need to make and the conversations that need to be had and the understanding. And a lot of people are like, la, 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 that's not happening. No, that's not true. It's, I don't feel that way. I don't think that. I don't want that. Like mm. We're just blocking it out. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a constructive, healthy way to approach this reality we're all working in for sure anyway so i guess i just wanted to put out there like it's not a this or right like some people might actually have both going on and they get to work that out there's this movie called easy a with emma stone and it's this basically this movie it's a rom-com where she pretends to be having sex with guys in high school because she's and she's getting benefits out of it like they give her gift cards or whatever <laughs> but then she ends up like developing this reputation around school of being a slut, right? And everyone's judging her and treating her horribly. And it's this interesting, just like social commentary on like our attitude around that sexuality and women's sexuality and whatever. Anyway, at one point, she, this gay guy, he, the way it started was this gay guy would like convinced her to pretend like they were fooling around in this bedroom at a party so that people would think he was straight. And then at one point she was talking to somebody else about him and she said that he was Kinsey six gay. And I remember hearing that a few times. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't, I don't get it. And then okay. it was like a couple of years later when I found Kinsey. I was like, oh, that's what she was talking about? Like what a random thing to throw in there. But... What about people that like are completely outside the church? It's not some theology Religion, debate. They're no. just like, I don't know. I don't care. You be you. Is that different for you? Do you take that differently? Do you feel like there's a choice that needs to be made? on the end of everyone, regardless of whether religion is influencing where people stand versus not? Great question. Yeah, great question. And I have, and two, I have two answers immediately. The first one is, I don't, I'm not looking for everyone in the world to be affirming for me. I think everyone in the world should be affirming for a bunch of different reasons, <laughs> which we won't get into here, but uh, I don't need everyone in the world to be affirming for me for me to have them in my life or for us to be friends, I'm saying people that have a some kind of significant connection to me, if we're going to continue to dialogue and share honestly and mm -hmm. vulnerably together about life to whatever degree that we do, yeah. if you're going to be unaffirming, I'm not interested in engaging with you at that point in that space. I don't, I don't need us to not be, not have a relationship, to not have a connection of whatever yeah. kind. I'm just not going to consider you a friend. That's not friendly to me. If you, anyway, you know what I mean? Like, so there's that distinction. Yeah. Um, so people in the world like the thing's going to apply to them the same way. Like if they're going to be close to me, I'm going to be like, ah, eh, it's not okay for you to believe against who I am and a significant part of how I experience and give love and mm -hmm. whatever. Like that's not going to fly for me if we're going to have like a substantial relationship. If we're not, yeah. I don't care. It's not a big deal. It's whatever, right? Um, when it comes to 
people outside of the church versus from a theological bent, um, I would say they, for in my mind, the standard is different because people who claim to be Christians, who claim to know mm -hmm. Jesus, to follow Jesus, are held to a standard of love and mm -hmm. to have an unaffirming theology. And then the subsequent ne necessitated attitude toward the queer community and the celebration that's going on over there, what that theology has to create in you is so contrary to the nature of God. I'm like, this is not acceptable. You don't get to mm -hmm. claim this title or this posture or this lifestyle choice of <laughs> being a Christian. Christians have this strong idea of what it means to be a Christian. And some of those values are anti-Jesus. They're anti-gospel. They're all about being us versus them, being exclusive. They're not about who Jesus is and how he responded to human life. Yeah. So when it comes to the theology side, my attitude toward Christians, I have a stricter standard for them you're claiming to be a certain thing in the world and to have a certain relationship with a certain person who clearly demonstrates himself in a certain way, both spiritually, experientially, and then in scripture. And what you're producing, what's coming out of you from your beliefs is contrary to his nature. So you are being a hypocrite. You are lying to us. You are, there's a double standard here. And I have, an, I have more of a problem with that than someone who's not claiming to be that person and doesn't like gay people. If it's just an ick factor and they're just prejudiced, that's a different issue than someone who's claiming to have some kind of moral high ground or spiritual revelation that they then get to use as a weapon against people. I'm like, oh, have you read this book? Do you know what this guy was about? Because it was, you know what I mean? So to me, yeah. that's different. You know, for me, the biggest, and it still comes up. I just got a message from someone today, a Christian, someone who is like, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to point someone like you? No, I was going to say that. Christians... It's like, it's still shocking, but like they think they're being gracious and loving in explaining the reason they're distancing from you. And it's actually more damaging than if they were to, and not because I don't want to hear, or and I appreciate the explanation, but there's just, there are beliefs and mindsets or attitudes about how you treat people and what justifies certain things that you just throw at someone that Christians just seem kind of out of touch relationally with people. Like there's just such a lack of empathy for how someone hearing me say this might experience it like there's just like a low understanding it seems I'm trying to figure out why like why do Christians run around acting like this like I think that you're just more I think you're more aware first of all okay like let's be honest like are you saying that because I'm gay or because I'm Mike or what no because like because you're Mike like you're okay. gifting and who you are like you I feel like you have a lot more awareness of how things might sit or okay. the, the I mean not lying there's something that I sent to my friend that um, she's getting married to her girlfriend in the fall. Um, and I think that you would be offended by it. And I actually went to her and apologized because I was like, dang, I think Mike would think this was offensive. And she's like, I wasn't offended at all. I was just glad you said something. And that same thing of like, there's a lot of people that have just ignored it and acts like this isn't going on in my life and this hasn't happened. And, you know, since I got divorced from my husband that is still super dear to her, like that people just act like she doesn't exist. Yeah. That stuff is like, oh. Yeah. And sadly, like there's a Christian dynamic to that. Whereas once someone has some kind of what we're going to call a moral failure or they do something that's outside of the rules that we've all agreed to, mm -hmm. then that, that now justifies that we excommunicate them. They mm -hmm. are now out of the circle. We don't, we don't associate with those people anymore. They're now distanced from us. That whole dynamic to me is abhorrent. It's awful. Like I can't. What does that mean? Um, it is horribly awful. It's horrible. It's horrible. Okay, okay, okay. Christians are used to it, and they think that they're all running around prepared or avoiding the threat of that happening to them, but they mm -hmm. do it to other people. Yeah. And I'm saying that because I did it. I was part of it. I learned, I knew how to play in that game. I understood. I knew what things I could and couldn't get away with. Right? Get away with or say or whatever. And so coming out as a gay person, knowing how the game worked and knowing how I was going to be like all the rocks, I knew where the rocks were stored and how hard people could throw. I knew all that wow. stuff. And I'm like, I'm still going to walk through Christian town naked and let them know. And I know they're going to throw those rocks at me, but I have to disagree with this whole way of life. This is wrong. This is not the way we treat people. This is not what the love of God looks like in a body of people. This is insane. So forget the issue. It doesn't matter what I did or didn't do or what I say I believe. None of this should have happened ever. Should not have happened. And it's still happening, right? So there's that baseline. But beyond that, so for you to go to your friend, oh, I almost said her name, for you to go to your friend 
And like, because you're like, oh, Mike might be offended by this. I'm really glad that that has been a thought process for you. My goal was not to be a super offendable person and to be like high stakes and eggshell, just throw eggshells everywhere for everyone to have to walk around. And, you know, that wasn't my goal. My goal in like pushing back on the terrible treatment I was experiencing was there are so many other queer people like me who experience stuff like this and worse, they don't have a platform. They don't get to like showcase that yeah. this is anus and happening and shouldn't be. And they don't get to hold account a whole group of people accountable to the way that they're behaving and the attitude they're harboring in their heart and the things that they're allowing to come out of their mouth. I'm like, but I, I've got some pull here, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use that platform I have to raise awareness and hold people accountable. I don't care what you believe. You don't get to treat people like this. I don't care how much you disagree and how fearful you are of deception. That does not justify terrible treatment. That doesn't give you the permission to be rude and huh. condescending and silencing, right? And so that was absolutely my goal and will continue to be my goal. Um, and so to me, you being like, oh God, Mike will be offended by this. So I'm going to go address that. I'm like, hey, I love the self-awareness. I love the willingness to regard somebody else's experience and like pay attention and like have the attentiveness to continue to like be alert of these dynamics because gay people have been so marginalized and sidelined in lots of terrible ways for a long time and it's still happening. And the majority of the people who are doing that stuff don't know it's happening because they have no feedback, right? They don't get it. The gay person yeah. just removes themselves from the toxic environment and we don't blame them for that. But I'm like, how are these people going to change? How are they going to grow? How are they going to do better if they don't realize what they're doing is abhorrent? <laughs> is awful right so yeah part of my goal then and now still is I want to provide that pushback not to fight I don't want to fight it's exhausting it's not constructive but I want to put a boundary in place to be like you don't get to treat people this way and I hope you can wake up to realizing that you're doing mm -hmm. it like this is insane I guess it's kind of that yeah. I, don't I think there's some layers to that though for you because I told her some of the things we talked about yeah. and she goes I think you need to put less weight on what he's telling you because all of us are different. And I was like, okay, no lie. It like helped me like not feel that like, oh my God, I'm going to do something wrong and I'm going to be me. Like it was really fascinating. And for the record, what I'm advocating for is not for people to be paranoid and powerless and like fearful of punishment. I'm advocating for humility mm -hmm. and a, and a self-awareness so we kind of talked about this last time and I don't know that it went great in terms of like us getting somewhere like clarity wise, but I do want to bring it up again because I think it's part of this conversation and I want to use different language this time and see. Thanks. If <laughs> I already feel it. I'm like, we're going to talk about how the language first. There are people in society, right? Not just America, wherever, but we're just, we'll talk America because that's, we're American. Yeah. There are people in our culture today who are experiencing life and our economy and whatever other aspects of being American in a certain way that we are not. Um, me, you are not or queer community is not? You and me, Tara and Mike. Okay. There are people in this country who experience things a certain way that you and I right. don't experience, right? right? For different reasons. And so that goes in all kinds of directions. What has traditionally been demonstrated by the people in powerful positions, which you and I are in powerful positions, I'm saying the word power. We, have, we are in positions of power where, you know, our voice, our expectation, our lens, our, the way we're treated, there's all automatic advantage to us versus other people in our country and the way they go out experiencing that. Do I, do I lose you there? You're the one that has a lot of Instagram followers is, is honestly what I'm thinking. If oh, you so were like saying, I, okay. I so I would think that you have more, um, well, so maybe than I do. If, right. Okay, great. So let's take that example. If we go to Instagram, maybe I have more advantage or power in Instagram than you do. But if mm -hmm. we go to church on Sunday morning, guess who's going to have more power there. Oh, and I would feel like I want to protect you. But so that dynamic though, your feeling about it doesn't remove the actual dynamics, right? Well, damn. Yes. It doesn't remove the dynamics. So just because you feel that way doesn't mean I don't have to face it. Doesn't mean I don't experience negative consequences. Doesn't mean that I don't get the same opportunity just because you feel bad for me. Right? Yes. In I don't feel bad for you. Sorry. Protective. Protective. I don't yeah. feel bad. I just, I'm like, I feel like feeling bad for someone is like pitying them. I would equate those as two different feelings of how I would feel like I would want to, or how okay. I would feel protective. Those are different in my world. Great. I, I agree. So then in that, if you felt protective of me, your response to that dynamic is to make sure I feel okay, right? As opposed to disagreeing with the dynamic. Okay. Right? As opposed because to I, getting in the... Go ahead. 
No, go ahead, say it. As opposed to getting in the way of the system that's established that enables that kind of treatment toward me, that is unjust. I don't feel like I have enough power to do that. So I would feel like the only thing that I could do would be to what feel protect, to protect versus- What do you mean by like, enough power? Um, Cause it's not like you have no power, right? Maybe you don't have power to change it, but you have some power in that space. Yes. Right. And so I mean, what, what? I guess I haven't been to church since June, Mike. <laughs> okay. But you've been to church most of your life. You remember what no. it's like. No, I was 16, but yes, okay, so for like a while now. Like 15 years. Yes. Okay. That's not a lot of experience. So in that space, the thing that I have had to push against specifically with Christians has been an utter disregard for what it's like to be a gay person and come out as gay in mm -hmm. our culture, but then especially in a Christian environment and for them to completely disregard the, the intensely prejudiced negative backlash that I get to experience because I'm gay. I haven't even done anything. I've not slept no. with a dude, right? I'm not doing these gay crimes that they might be no. opposed to or whatever. I'm just saying that this is my sexuality. That's all I've shared with the world, right? And then all of this backlash, utter disregard for what it's like as a human being to be treated that way. And then being told you don't get to feel like that. You shouldn't, who cares? Love yeah. Jesus, who cares what they wow. think? You don't need their approval. You don't need their acceptance. Your approval should be found in God. You should be completely rooted in Jesus. It doesn't matter how people treat you. So they push against me, the person who is having rocks thrown at, like I'm that guy. Yeah. And they're coming and accusing and critiquing me and completely ignoring all the rocks that are coming at me. They can't see it. In fact, not even realizing their help, their love is a rock being thrown at me too. Christians are not seeing this, but it's absolutely happening is I think something that I'm poking at. Um, and so I'm fascinated. Someone as sincere as you, as like engaged and willing as you to continue to ignore the, the rocks and the people throwing them and just wanting to like, give me some water while I'm getting hit with rocks. I'm like, oh, that doesn't, someone in my position that doesn't feel like compassion, that doesn't feel like solidarity, that doesn't feel like protection. You might feel protective, but your response to this situation is not protecting me. It's how someone in this situation would experience that, right? I wanna, I wanna talk about that. So tell me, what do you think right. about that? Let's talk about it. Um, well, first of all, I'm like, well, I'm not just trying to like give you a sip of water in the emergency room here. Ugh. I literally feel like in, as you're saying that I'm like, I, that would be one of the most appropriate times. I don't like the word ignorant. I know a lot of people throw it around. That would be a time that I'm like, I would feel like, okay, I'm really just ignorant that I don't know what to do. I wouldn't even know what to say. I sure wouldn't just want to like leave you there. Like, why would I, like, why would I stay? Why would we stay there if that's the kind of people that are there? So like your response to that might be, honey, we're going to stop going to this church. For sure. That's going to, okay. I know. I mean, that's honest. Like yeah, yeah, I totally. literally. No, yeah, this I is me like getting a grid for your perspective and thought process on that. Yeah. And because last time when you asked me like, well, what about those little girls at the church? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't go there or I would have to like sneak in and be a CIA agent. Because like, I don't know how you take out or address issues like that within that structure. I have no idea. <sighs> So, right, right, totally. So, yeah, that's great. And listen, Tara, let's have this conversation. This is so effing important. Thank you for being honest. Please continue to be honest. I don't need a certain answer from you. I just want to talk about it. And because people are watching this conversation, right? And I want to say this to all of us. And a lot of the stuff that I'm aware of now, I did not get. I didn't understand it until I came out. And then I got to experience what it's like to get hit in the face with a rock. And then I'm like, oh, damn this is not okay. And all the ways that I let this happen to other people, what was I thinking? And I can look back and realize why I let that stuff happen and then experience the grief for why that was okay with me. Like how I got to a point where that was okay. The church has gotten to where it is and become what it is because the majority of the people who participate and benefit from the program that the church is Right. And what it, the service that it provides and the way that it like serves our communities, the majority of the people who are benefiting from that program don't understand what it's like to be a gay person. As an example, not just yeah. gay, there are lots of other people like, again, I'm translating language now, people in that position who get treated terribly for reasons that they can't control right? Because of who they are, because of what they're like, and because it doesn't line up with the way the program works or what the program favors. The majority- Being in a Baptist church. 
and believing all of these things as well. I mean, that's part, that's part of it, right? No, I'm sorry. I don't know what you mean. What are you saying? You were saying people that benefit from those things, everyone's there and able to get along until like, oh, they stepped outside of the box. Oh, they're talking about getting divorced or, oh, they're talking about like. No, let's pause. So I'm not talking sorry. about, it's okay. No, this is good. I'm, let's, I want to talk about it. I'm not talking about getting a divorce. I'm not talking about doing something. I'm talking about being something. Being charismatic in a Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's my life, kinda. Oh my god! This and is I'm awesome. like, I'm getting hot. Sarah, I'm getting hot. That's hilarious. Oh, this is awesome. <clears throat> no, Tara. Because here's why it's different. You can no. choose. What? You're like, no. I'm like, yeah, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, no, we were still not talking about the same thing. Okay. You can choose okay. to be a charismatic. That was a choice you made, right? To not be that, I would feel like I'm lying to myself. I know. I'm sorry. This is hard, but I'm being as honest as I can. Yeah, yeah. So Talk, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen, is what I'm going to No, here's do. the thing. No, 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 no. No, I'm not. I don't want you to shut up. I'm trying to figure out how do I explain? Because where I'm standing, there is a very brown hair. Me having point. brown hair. I don't get to choose to have brown hair. Yeah, you didn't choose brown hair, but you made a choice to align with charismatic, whatever that means when you say it, right? Taking on that label. Thank what? God that you can translate things for me because I'm like, I don't know. Well, let's see if we can. Let's see if I can. So I didn't choose to be gay, contrary to some people who think a certain way. <laughs> I never woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to be gay. I want my life to suck. I want to work really hard for this. I want to lose all of my friends in a certain way. I want to do that. That sounds awesome. That wasn't a choice I made. That was something that I had to manage and understand and accept and you know, embrace about myself because it wasn't going away. And then on top of that, God's like, I want you like this. And I'm like, what? Right. But he wasn't saying, Hey, carry this for me. He was saying, I want you the way you are. This was something that came naturally to me. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose this. It was there. Charismania, sorry, being a charismatic because I'm considered a charismatic too. Right. I don't feel precious about that. You being a charismatic, you weren't born into that. True. That's not who you are. It's something you identified with that helps express whatever about your values and the way you right. like experience the church world. Being brown haired is part of who you are. You can dye it, right? So that's a little different even, but being a white girl, that's part of who you are, right? You can't change your ethnicity, your skin color. That's how you come. That's I'm different. Seven right here, it's fine. <laughs> are you a white girl or are you not? Tara, are you serious? I'm so serious. Like, As in, you're like, I don't know that I'm a white girl. I might be black. <laughs> I know that these are the polarizing things that I don't like, though. Okay, but whether you like them or not doesn't erase that they're there, right? That they're actually happening. And I'm not trying to be polarizing. I'm saying these things are actually costing people in our... Maybe it's because some people are like, are you? And I'm like, yeah. Are you what? Like a lot of people, I say that because a lot of people are like, oh, you're mixed or, oh, you're this. Or when I do have curly hair, I have a very different experience within different places than when I don't. Like, it's a really interesting thing from both sides. It's really interesting to me that I'm like, hmm, yes, I am a majority white female. <laughs> and it feels like accepting a handcuff to admit that. No, but I just feel like it draws divisional lines between people. Regardless of how polarizing it can be or how you feel about the situation, me being a gay man going into a church environment, your okay. feelings don't change how yeah. I get treated in that environment. True or false? That is true. Right? So your feelings about my experience because of the reasons these things are going on doesn't change the fact that I'm still getting hit with mm -hmm. prejudiced, biased, condescending, mm -hmm. judgmental, hypocritical harmful rhetoric if you being my friend and knowing what i'm experiencing and you're aware that that stuff's going on if you actually care for me it's going to be very difficult for you to know that i'm experiencing that stuff and see the harm like the pain in my life that i'm having to carry for this and you'd be fine continuing to just attend sunday morning right like that's going to be difficult so you're like okay we might leave i'm like okay so that removes your family from that scenario 
what about all the other gay people who are still being treated that way in all the other places like this, right? There's a bigger problem here. And the majority of the people who this doesn't affect personally yeah. aren't doing anything about it. They're acting like, oh, this is the gay people's problem. This is not our problem, right? It's kind of the issue. And that's part of why I'm continuing to push against the way that I'm being treated and the, the rhetoric around the whole thing. I'm like, this is insane. Forget the theology, seriously. And I'm not saying that because the theology doesn't, doesn't matter. It matters somewhere along the line. It does matter. It doesn't matter if the dignity of a human being is being discarded because of this prejudice, right? And because that is unjust, that is wrong, the church should not be as comfortable as she is continuing to let this stuff keep happening when there are people like me in the world saying this is happening. Who knows how to fix it then? Well, here's the thing. My response to that question, which is honest, I get it. And I love that you're expressing that. My response to that is, how are we going to figure that out? if we don't get involved. And by we, I mean the majority who aren't getting hit with the rocks. I don't know if it's, if it's appropriate yeah. or effective to expect the people who are getting pummeled with rocks to be expected to change the rock throwing situation. <laughs> They're a little distracted. I can see that. Right? So all yeah. the people standing by watching. I'm why are asking they not you though, like how, like how then as your friend and someone that cares about you, do you know a way or have you seen that done well? That so you're like asking me like, what should you do? Yes. Right? Like, okay. what does that look like? Sure. Well, there, there are answers. My responses run away. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of people's responses because that's easier. It's more convenient, right? There are the most people participating in this are the ones standing on the side, watching it or ignoring it. It's not the rock throwers and it's not the people getting hit with the rocks. It's everybody else. They're just filming it. They're just sure. watching it happen. I mean, they're filming it or they're just ignoring it entirely. Someone's like bleeding yeah. out screaming over here and they're over here like picking daisies and like trying to get a snow cone. And people like me, the gay person, being someone who cares about justice and the gospel, experiencing this whole process, I'm like, how can you be getting a snow cone when this person is screaming, bleeding on the side right now? Like, what does that say about your morality? What does that say about your character? What does that say about the power of the gospel in your life? I don't know if I yeah. care about how talented you are at playing the piano or like that you donate to church on Sunday if this person's bleeding out and you're still getting a snow cone. That Absolutely. blows my mind, right? Yeah. So the question, what do we do? I'm like, oh, I don't know if the answer not being there is an excuse for the inactivity, for the apathy or the lack of engagement, right? And so I'm not saying this to you, Tara. I'm saying this about the situation. People who have suggested actions to be taken, um, one of them has been, if you're going to a non-affirming church, where they actually discriminate against gay people, you know, because they're gay, they can't get married, they can't be ordained, they can't minister, they can't volunteer or whatever, whatever restrictions are put in these people just in the program, forget all the other things that are absolutely wrong with this, mm -hmm. the ways they're being discriminated against, you shouldn't be attending a place like that. You shouldn't be showing up and voting with your presence is one thing that people are saying. I don't know that I'm saying that's the answer. I'm saying that's probably a step in a direction for the majority of us to be like, you know what? I don't get all this. I don't know how this needs to go. I just know it can't be this. And I can't, keep, and so, and like getting uncomfortable enough, getting informed yeah. enough that they're like, oh, I can't just ignore this. I can't just like, be like, oh, that's the thing we talked about last Sunday and now we're moving on with our lives. Because mm -hmm. guess what? My life didn't just end. I'm still here, right? I'm still experiencing that stuff. Um, so that's one thing is like removing your vote from like your presence from supporting the program is one thing you could do. Um, the other thing is like, getting in the way of that kind of treatment toward these people in all the ways that your proximity demands of you. And that's going to be different for all of us, right? Whether it's on social media or in your actual vicinity or in your relationships, getting in the way of the, so it's going to start with getting educated. So what do we do? You need to start, so which, Tara, this is what you're doing. Like you got to learn about what's even going on. A lot of this is so invisible because ignorance was an option for you. You got to ignore it. That's a, priv that's a, what's the word? That's an Not opportunity. That word. <laughs> That's an opportunity that you get to have that other people don't have because it doesn't affect you directly, right? And so you don't have to think about this. You don't have to care. I'm not the only one that has problems with like the buzzword land. Oh, I for think. sure. I get that. And so I'm like, there but are things what? that I actually feel like are communicated better to uh, people on this other side that don't get it, that people will hear that differently than what we previously talked about. Like, oh, that's this. And I'm like, ugh. So like buzzwords like, privilege and oh, yeah. race. So let's imagine your hypothetical child comes out to you, like they're 16, like mom, I'm, and they're terrified, I'm gay. And you go through a journey with them of like, is this just a phase? Are they making this up? Is this trendy? Or, you know, like, did they get, did something yeah. happen? And you go through the due diligence and you find out nothing happened to my kid. They don't actually want to be this way. They just are aware this is 
who they are. This is what's coming up for them, right? If that happens and you like have to work through, what do we do with this, yeah. right? Your attitude and response to this conversation changes versus if it's some rando at church. For sure. You don't just get to ignore it. You don't get to pretend sure. like this doesn't matter. It's not an opportunity for you to just think about it and then move on with your life. Or, I mean, some parents opt to do that, which is commentary of like, what does love look like? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but if you're going to do that for your kid, because you love them, mm -hmm. why do we think it excuses us from our neighbor? I think for me, it would be a level of relationship that I'm now forced to look at it. Not that it's right to not look at it before, but now I, for me personally, it's like, well, that wasn't right to just ignore it. Like one of my good friends growing up that I'm like, mm, me and him need to have a sit down and I got some stuff to clean up just because I haven't, I love him, but I haven't like loved him well. We've got all kinds of attitudes and practices running around in church culture, at least forget all the other parts of society that we're just looking at the Christian space. There are attitudes and practices and behaviors that are rampant in that space that are enabled and tolerated because often the leaders are the ones who are espousing this stuff. Yeah. And it's damaging and harmful to people like me, to people who love people like me. It's mm -hmm. harmful. And the people who like want to disagree with this, they don't, their opinion doesn't matter because they're not the ones getting hit by the rocks. They don't get to tell us what people getting hit by, hit by rocks are experiencing when they're the ones throwing the rocks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's so insane. It's backwards. And our disregard for the people getting hit by the rocks to me is the, the biggest, most concerning, troubling aspect of this experience that so many of us are content not caring. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Somehow, somewhere along the way, we became mm -hmm. insulated enough from these human beings and their experiences yep. that our responsibilities stopped being something our conscience could keep track of. I'm like, that's a problem. And so a big part of my effort currently in my process of like vocalizing these things is rousing people that are willing to listen and be like, hey, you're not irrelevant from this. This is happening because of us. I wasn't irrelevant either, right? Mm -hmm. When I was in the closet and I was accepted as a straight white whatever or whatever I, I don't know if I'm seen as white but as a straight pastor influencer whatever I got away with being complicit with this stuff and enabling those attitudes and treatments of and the way mm. gay people were being treated right I got away with it because I was closeted when I came out of it and realized what these people are experiencing because it was happening to me I'm like this is insane how are the rest of us fine wow. with this still being an insane dynamic and moving on like it's not a thing like this is an actual problem we need to address we're coming up with all these other theoretical problems we want to think about when this is a real problem happening right now. It's happening right now. I don't get it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And because the gay community is like such a, a smaller percentage of the population, we're not going to be the loudest voice, right? Which makes us a disadvantaged party in this experience, right? We're that weird kid in the corner, the cousin who comes sometimes to the reunion. In like, some communities, not in all communities, though. Um, I'm talking about the church at large. Okay, we're in right? church. Oh, okay. The church at large, which again, I'm like in America, in okay, church world. The church at large, but specifically the American yeah. church, the evangelical church that says that they're the ones who are arbiting the grace of God in the world and represent Jesus and his love and God desires that everyone would be saved. And you know, the stuff that we say, mm -hmm. and then the way we treat people, the gay community is that weird cousin that comes every once in a while to the reunion. And you know, mm -hmm. whatever we don't like about this kid, that doesn't excuse the way we're treating him. Yeah. It's a reflection of us, not him. The inhospitality, yeah. the disregard, the rejection, the abuse, whatever. That's a problem for us. And so many of us are content to not have to look at it because these people are silenced and discarded. Mm. They're removed. The moment you come out as gay and you accept yourself as that, what happens? Bye. It's time for you to go. You can stay if you're going to limp and like work on your problem. But the moment you stop fighting yourself here and accept this, you're out. Is that how you felt? Oh, are you kidding me? Yes. I don't know that it's how I felt. That's how I was treated. That's what happened to me. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I was literally told, okay. <laughs> Tell me. I mean, it's just stuff like, hey, you can, you can struggle with your attraction and still follow Jesus, right? You can bear that cross. The moment you stop fighting this and you actually pursue a relationship with another man, you're not following Jesus anymore. And then you don't get to have positions of influence, right? Immediately. And it wasn't because I did anything. It's because my heart posture changed, right? It's because I decided... I'm accepting what I've heard from the Lord about this. And I'm embracing myself in this way. Oh. And that's when everything was just like, whoop. No, it was like that before these conversations. Oh. That's just when I found the courage to start pushing against it and saying no. It was okay. like that the moment I showed up to any church, any church I've ever been part of, that was already the knife to the throat for a gay person.
Mm. It's already there. The moment you walk in and you, it's there. It's, and the knife is hidden within the people. They all have been given knives and then been told how to use the knife and why the knife matters and why you're justified to use it. Everyone has those. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really great uh, verbiage for people, I think. And so for people like you, Tara, who are doing this work, I'm like, ooh, it's one thing like, and I'm not saying this to like try and dictate your process. You're on a journey, you get to work this out. But for someone in my position who's advocating for this experience, I'm like, I don't know that. So everyone's on their journey, they get to work this out. Right now, it's still an opportunity for them to decide if they want to care. But if Jesus shows up and has a conversation, he's not indifferent about this. And he's not like, you know what, it's fine. Think about it. Let us know what you think. That's not how he acts. That's not how he experiences this. That's not what he's doing. So if we're the body of Christ and we're supposed to be like led by the spirit, I can tell you yeah. right now, all the people who are thinking about this or like maybe they're going to think about it, they're not following the Lord. That's not how he was responding to the kid in the corner. That's not how he's mm -hmm. responding. That's, and I, I'm saying that from my own incarnational experience with God. That's not his attitude. That's not his heart posture. He's not indifferent. He's not, eh, maybe. Cry he's, it out, figure it out later. Yeah, he's... He's not doing that. And so yeah. it just really ends up boiling down to, if you want to be honest, feel free to insulate yourself from the spirit of God with your Bible and your theology and your pastor and your community. You can use all those things as shields all you want. But at the end of the day, you're going to be left standing naked before this person. And you're going to be without an excuse. He was hungry and you did not feed him. He was thirsty. You did not give him something to drink. He was a stranger and you did not invite him in. He was in prison and you did not visit him. He was sick and you did not care for him. This is going on. And the majority of the church are like, content to just anesthetize themselves with all these justifications and excuses that work in our culture in the program they're going to mm. doesn't work in the spirit doesn't work in the kingdom doesn't work in the in the eyes of god that's not you are naked and singular and without excuse like I, i'm saying that out of experience yeah. that's how i showed up in that space and none of that protected me <laughs> Like I didn't even get to reach for it. I didn't even have the chance to like offer it. It just wasn't there to reach for. It didn't exist. It's wow. not there. So, you know, people can have their conversations and fight for their rights to have their opinion and their process all they want. And that's fine. I get there's a human process to this, but if you're following the Lord, my voice, for example, if we're just talking about me, my testimony, there's a frequency here. There is spirit on what I'm doing, what I'm saying. Do I do it the way you want me to do it? Maybe not, probably not. I mean, am I doing this the way everyone should want me to do it? Is this the way that I am supposed to? I don't think that matters. Yeah. Everyone is expected to discern the spirit that all of us are of, right? And respond to the nature of God, to love. What does it look like to love? Like, am I over? Anyway, this is no, going on. Your whole team had this echo of like the humanity aspect to it. The like ignoring the person aspect versus like holding to this role and rigidity of like, Ugh. like, I know that thing's there in me. I'm like, I genuinely care about people I genuinely love people and it's out of that place that I'm like I feel like there's so much other things that have been going on that until I'm like oh shit now it's affecting someone that I know and know well and like I even told you like how you're walking things out with the Lord I'm like oh I trust you you know whereas in other people I'm like bro you're acting like a mess and so I, I honestly think that it is your your genuineness and the authenticity of like hey I was willing to say like, whether I am or I'm not, God's got me and I can trust him in the process. Hearing that thing with the round table conversation, I was like that, like even for me in this journey of like, I don't have to be afraid to look at stuff and weigh it and look at this side and that side. Like, and I think so many people are, he's got you in it. Like what's your relationship with him really like, if you're not willing to look at hard things or things that you feel are hard for you, like either you trust him in you or you don't. Totally. And I would say as well to that, a Christian ethic, this is not unique to Mike or charismatics, like this is biblical. The moment we become conscious in whatever ways, so feedback from your environment, feedback from a victim should be heard by the, the abuser, right? The moment we become conscious that we're holding a knife, we mm. should be spending a lot of time and energy immediately recognizing that I'm holding a knife. When did I get a license to use this? And why is it okay for me to use this on someone else? When did this become okay? That's not happening, which is a shock, right? Consciences okay. seared left and right in this conversation. When did this become okay? Why am I not taking responsibility for the fact that I'm holding it and using it? They were given it. They were, it was given to them when they got baptized, right? We're all responsible for the complicity of that, for accepting that knife and then learning how to use it and then actually using it on somebody. If God didn't teach you, if he didn't give you that knife, when did that become okay? It's wow. one thing I'm like that we are accountable for that. Like, Every single individual who's part of this program 
is responsible to recognize that they're holding a knife and that they're actually inserting this into people mm. and like learning when you learned how to do this and when that became okay. People Look are just at, figuring that out. People are just figuring out they have one. If they're, if they are. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like, you're calling my Bible a knife. It's not a knife. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. And just because it burns you, doesn't mean that it's not, mm. you're like, oh my God. It's the sin in you that's reacting. It's not your pain. It's not you as a human being. You're not experiencing that. That's what sin does. Sin makes you miserable and you just don't like the truth. You're like, oh my gosh, what kind of psychosis is this? That this is where we've gotten, you know what I mean? And then the other thing I want to throw in here too is like, even if my demonstration of coming out wasn't as clean and neat, why are we as the, the opportune people, the ones who are sitting in the powerful seats, why are we not hearing the messy, hurt, offended, angry, retaliatory, what? Retaliating, like hurt people and getting past their bad presentation and still recognizing being willing to from our place of comfort and power, being willing to use that comfort and power to understand how this person got here. And if we're in any way contributing, fixing that, even if they didn't treat us the way we wanted to be treated, we're the ones in the higher seats. We're the ones, right? We're not, they're not responsible to say this to us in a way that we can hear them. That's not their job to appeal to our perspective. Mm -hmm. That's our responsibility to listen. You know what I mean? And so even if I didn't perform well, that doesn't remove the majority of the people who are observing this from being accountable to this person is part of us. He was part of Bethel. He was a teacher I respected. Whatever proximity they've had to me in the Christian context, I don't get to just erase his story. I don't get to just invalidate everything he's done. Whatever significance he holds in my heart, I want to figure out why is this happening? How did this get here? What is he saying? Is there truth in what this person is saying? That benefit of doubt is not dished out by the majority of the people that I have confronted. And that's, that's unchristian. I don't feel like I had an option. I mean, I, I guess that's not true. I did have an option of like, peace. a lot of people have told me, I'm like, even in the first week that I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I, and they're like, well, you have to pull back. You have to, whatever you have to. Uh. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. That's shitty. <laughs> Agreed. Something that I've learned in this process for all of us I've become so much more empathetic because of this, right? Realizing all the ways that I was ignorant of other people's suffering that I didn't relate to, ways mm-hmm. that I didn't show up compassionate and like willing to listen and engage and like support them. So I've got all kinds of learning I'm getting to do in other ways that I've just been blind or deaf to the cries mm-hmm. of other people around me, you know? We all have responsibility to learn in this space. And unfortunately, the evangelicals I've experienced are the ones who are plugging their ears the fastest, the easiest, the loudest. They're distracting and displacing and you know, bypassing all this to make it about what they think, what they believe, what they want to see happen. And you're like, oh my gosh, do you not realize there are actual harmed people in our culture right now and that you're not them? I have one question. You mentioned at one point that you had to adjust some of your behaviors and mannerisms while struggling with this. What were those for you? You mean in this conversation or did I mention that somewhere else? You mentioned that somewhere else. Like yeah, okay. as like you felt like you had um, adjusted behaviors or mannerisms of yours you said and I'm like in your voice like I was curious what those yeah. were yeah yeah I mean it's it's the ways that you see like you know people talk about the stereotypical gay guy or like the fairy or the limperissa dude or the super feminine dude or what like those kinds of things that we just like label these guys with I definitely had the capacity to be effeminate and like you know my voice being higher and I don't know the different ways that I present myself um, like I remember one, <laughs> this is a weird specific example. I was telling this to Zach last week. My babysitter watched The Young and the Restless and I don't know, a bunch of different soap operas every day, right? So I, okay. I watched these soap, I mean, they're so boring, but I, they were there, right? So I watched them. At one point I saw a woman, like she was shocked at something. So she went, <gasps> put her hands on her face and gas, right? Whatever. And then I remember like thinking that I wanted to try that out. I don't remember being as conscious but I remember that being a thing. So one time at my house, like a couple weeks later, <laughs> my mom found something that was shocking with one of our cats at home. And when I came up and I happened upon it with her and I was like, oh, I did that. I tried it out. I didn't mean to, it just kind of came as like a way that I wanted to express myself, but it definitely, I don't know if it looks feminine enough right now, but I was like, oh, right. It was, it was feminine. And my mom saw me do it. She goes, stop that. She pulled my hand down was like, don't do that. Um, mm. I don't remember what all she said, but it was definitely a shaming moment. It was like, oh, you don't get to express yourself like that. That's not appropriate for you. And I knew it had to do with my gender and you know, whatever else. Um, so I just took cues from those things or when the other boys would make fun of 
other boys for how they acted or the things they said or didn't say or what they wanted or didn't want, what they liked, yeah. didn't like, those kinds of things. You just have like a lifetime of experiences of those kinds of little social nuances. So learning how to be less dramatic, um, okay. less expressive, honestly, it's less expressive, um, wow. less feminine, right? Like those kinds of things. I definitely had to like, I trained myself how to like, even the way I stood or the way that I held my body or where my hand laid when I'm like being comfortable, like how I sat, like those kind, my posture, those kind, my bot, you know, the whole man spreading thing, like learning how to take up more physical space because it's masculine to do so versus letting my legs be closed, you know, or whatever. I didn't know like, that was a thing. Man spreading? Yeah. What is that? I don't know what that is. It's when you're sitting in um, a two car sedan and then you're in the backseat with two other guys and their legs are veed and so you're just scrunched into a little thing because these dudes are taking up so much space they're spreading they're man spreading oh it's a masculine like you don't see girls sitting out there with their legs just split apart right it's not feminine to do that guys do that at least culturally where i was the way that i was raised like that's the way that that worked so anyway it's those kinds of things that i learned how to, and i don't know that i did a great job <laughs> and so having worked through that myself and you know like learning how to love myself and accept myself there in spite of other people's opinions when Fox is like, Uncle Mike, I want to paint your toenails or let's paint your nails. Like in the past, I would have been like, no, I would have said no, wouldn't let her. I'm like, maybe I would have wanted to. And now I don't care to paint my nails, but I'm not going to say no to my niece. She's so cute. I want to, I want to purchase her, right? So I let her paint my nails, you know, and I went, <laughs> I went to have coffee with Ken Fish yesterday and I've got pink glittery, like fingernails and I'm like I can't show up to this coffee date or this conversation with this I'm like scraping the nail polish off while I'm driving and I'm like oh part of me is like sad that I'm doing this like I shouldn't have to do this this is like a crime against you know just freedom of expression and whatever what if I like this I shouldn't you know and if I did like it I probably would have chosen to keep it on but anyway it's like those things yeah. I had to like learn how to hide or shove down I mean like wanting to watch The Little Mermaid that was not cool for boys to do so I didn't I had to stop I had to pretend like I didn't like those movies what have you been most surprised by or has there been like one situation that you've been most surprised by since coming out uh-huh. I think I wasn't expecting the amount of support that I've received the amount of people coming out saying so happy for you proud of you love this um, I'm pleasantly surprised by the people who are like, I'm 56. I know this is wrong. My whole life I've known this for the first time because of your story and whatever, I'm listening. I want to learn. I want to know better. I'm open. I'm willing to, you know, I'm like, whoa, that was surprising in a great way. I hoped for it, but I wasn't sure what would happen. There are people who are like, hey, your story matters to me. It's really affecting me. I, I'm missing something here. I want to understand. I've, I've been beautifully surprised by that. And then, yeah, just people coming out to me being like, hey, I'm gay. I'm in the closet. I'm whatever. I'm like, whoa beautifully surprised by those things for sure and i've so enjoyed it it's been so cool and also just it's heartbreaking at the same time like how many people are identifying with this process with me and experiencing this but aren't out to their community don't feel safe to say anything yeah. i'm over here like advocating for them and people are like tearing each other apart in my comments on theology and bible verses yeah. and these people are in the in my dms like crying because they're so thankful someone like me is saying something and for the first time they feel like there might actually be hope for them in the christian church or something and i'm like oh my the dissonance yeah. is just so unbelievable and so just having to figure out how do i continue to show patience and compassion for these bigoted ignorant a-holes who refuse to listen and just want to keep shanking and because they just don't realize there are bodies everywhere i'm like oh my gosh yeah those are, the other side of it is beautiful and so bright and hopeful and there's like Jesus is over there. Tara, listen, I know I've said this before. I'm going to say it again, though, because it's due. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for drawing closer to this conversation. Thank you for representing what you are and aren't understanding what you do and don't agree with what is or isn't clicking. Just your honest responses. I so appreciate your transparency and your willingness to like do this with me publicly and just share your perspective and all that. Well, you guys, thanks for watching. Um, if you have any questions or comments about this conversation you would like to, to be discussed, I'm all ears. So please put those in the comments okay. below. And then also just big sweeping. If you're queer in whatever way, and you're looking for different ways to get involved here with NUMA and just support and opportunities to get plugged in, please email contact at mikemyshow.com and just let us know that and my team will get you connected. I'm going to share the link to the YouTube video Tara referenced at the beginning of this conversation, the roundtable video I released. I'll put that in the description of this episode as well so that you guys can easily reference that if you haven't seen it. Um, Tara, again, thank you so much for doing this with us and letting yourself be observed and experienced with me out here in the public square. Um, takes guts and I appreciate it. Right. Well, you guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
If you're part of the LGBTQ community, I wanted to tell you about special opportunities and resources available here at NUMA that I want to make sure you know about. Being a queer Christian today is a lot of work. There's a lot of opposition and misunderstanding and prejudice going on, and to work through all that takes support. I want to let you know firstly that in our Living Your Legend coaching, my team is specifically trained to help you walk in the spirit as a queer person, addressing the things coming up in your heart, the things around you, standards, things you want to go after. We are here to support you there. So if you want one-on-one -on -one attention and someone to walk with you in that process, Living Your Legend coaching is for you. If you need help understanding how queer theology and the Bible go together, I'm putting together a series called Rainbow Road. It's already live now on NUMA Plus. That's available for you to check out if you want to work out your theology. If you're looking for a more relational approach, I personally am doing a mentorship group called The Rainbow Room, where it's only for LGBTQ plus people. We will gather on a weekly basis. I will provide mentorship, guidance, and support, as well as a community. We will all walk through this process together. What does it look like to be gay in the church, following Jesus in today's day and age? This group is for you. And lastly, if you're planning on coming out, or if you were outed, or if your coming out experience wasn't ideal, I wanted to let you know that we here at NUMA love our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters. We are going to be hosting a coming out party on June 1st. That's a place for you to get to have your coming out for the first time or to redeem your coming out experience. We want to celebrate you. We want to surround you with people who love you, believe in you, accept you fully as who you are. And we want to make sure this is a celebratory experience, one that's affirming and embracing of you. If you're interested in any of these things, please email us at contact at mikemayashiro.com. That email address is in the description of this episode. My team will happily provide all the information you need for the areas that you're looking for. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out mikemayashiro.com.